Hello, this is Father John Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our second program on the theology of the body, male and female, he created them, a work of Pope John Paul II, to which he dedicated five years of his 27-year pontificate in the Wednesday audiences in Rome between 1979 and 19. 84. These talks, based on work he had done before he became the Bishop of Rome, were then made a part of his magisterium, his solemn teaching authority, as he delivered them to the faithful who came to the threshold of the apostles Peter and Paul, some five years before our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, published Fides et Ratio, the encyclical on the relationship between faith and reason, he applies the powers of his natural intellect to the supernatural reality of the creation. Male and female, he created them. In the divine image, God created them. Today, we will go over the second of the 133 talks found in the second edition of The Theology of the Body, edited, translated by Professor Michael Waldstein, published by the Daughters of St. Paul in 2006. Our Holy Father begins. Last Wednesday, we began the cycle of reflections on the response Christ the Lord gave to his interlocutors about the question of the unity and indissolubility of marriage. The Pharisee interlocutors, as we recall, appealed to the law of Moses. Christ, by contrast, appealed to the beginning by quoting the words of Genesis. The beginning, in this case, is what one of the first pages of Genesis speaks about. If we wish to analyze this reality, we must doubtless turn first of all to the text. In fact, the words Christ spoke in the dialogue with the Pharisees, which Matthew 19 and Mark 10 report to us, constitute a passage that in turn fits into a well-defined context without which they can neither be understood nor correctly interpreted. This context is given by the words. Have you not read? that from the beginning the Creator created them male and female, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, and refers to the so-called first account of the creation of man inserted in the cycle of the seven days of the creation of the world, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 4. By contrast, the more immediate context of Christ's other words taken from Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 is the so-called second account of the creation of man Genesis chapter 2 verse 5 through verse 25 and indirectly also to Genesis 3 as a whole the second account of the creation of man forms a conceptual and stylistic unity with the description of original innocence, of man's happiness, and also of his first fall. 
given the specificity of the content expressed by Christ's words, taken from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, one could also include in the context at least the first sentence of Genesis 4, which deals with the conception and birth of a human being from earthly parents. We intend to do so in the present analysis. First account of the creation of man. From the point of view of biblical criticism, one should immediately recall that the first account of the creation of man is more recent than the second. The origin of the latter lies much further back in time. One defines this more ancient text as Yahwist because it uses the term Yahweh to name God. It is difficult not to be impressed by the fact that the image of God presented there has some rather prominent anthropomorphic features. Among other things we read there, the Lord God formed man with dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. In comparison with this description, the first account, that is, the one considered chronologically more recent, is much more mature both with regard to the image of God and in the formulation of the essential truths about man. This account stems from the priestly and Eloist tradition, from the term Elohim, the term it uses to name God. Given that in this narrative, the creation of man is male and female, to which Jesus appeals in his answer according to Matthew 19, is placed in the rhythm of the seven days of the creation of the world. One could attribute to it, above all, a cosmological character. Man is created on earth together with the visible world. At the same time, however, the Creator orders him to subdue and rule the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. He is therefore placed above the world. Although man is so strictly tied to the visible world, nevertheless, the biblical narrative does not speak of his likeness with the rest of creatures, but only with God. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. In the cycle of the seven days of creation, a precise step-by-step progression is evident. Man, by contrast, is not created according to a natural secession, but the Creator seems to halt before calling him to existence, as if he entered back into himself to make a decision. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The level of this first account of creation, even if it is chronologically later has, above all, a theological character. An indication of this is, above all, the definition of man based on his relationship with God. In the image of God, he created him, which includes, at the same time, an affirmation of the absolute impossibility 
of reducing man to the world. Already, in the light of the Bible's first sentences, man can neither be understood nor explained in his full depth with the categories taken from the world, that is, from the visible totality of bodies. Nevertheless, man too is a body. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 establishes this essential truth about man refers to the male as much as to the female. God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. One must recognize that the first account is concise, free from any trace of subjectivism. It contains only the objective fact and defines the objective reality, both when it speaks about the creation of the human being, male and female, in the image of God, and when it adds, a little later, the words of the first blessing, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. The first account of the creation of man, which, as we have observed, has a theological character, contains hidden within itself a powerful metaphysical content. One should not forget that precisely this text of Genesis has become the source of the deepest inspiration for the thinkers who have sought to understand being and existing. Perhaps only Exodus 3 can be compared with this text. Despite some detailed and plastic expressions in this passage, man is defined primarily in the dimension of being and existing. Essay. He is defined in a more metaphysical than physical way to the mystery of his creation in the image of God he created him corresponds the perspective of procreation be fruitful and multiply of coming to be in the world and in time of fairy which is necessarily tied to the metaphysical situation of creation of contingent being, contingent, precisely in this metaphysical context of the description of Genesis 1, one must understand the entity of the good, that is, the aspect of value. In fact, this aspect returns in the rhythm of almost all the days of creation and reaches its high point after the creation of man, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. This is why one can say with certainty that the first chapter of Genesis has formed an incontrovertible point of reference and solid basis of a metaphysics, and also for an anthropology, and an ethics, according to which ends at bonum convertuntur, being and good are convertible. Of course, all this has its own significance for theology as well, 
and above all for the theology of the body. At this point, we interrupt our consideration. In a week, we will occupy ourselves with the second creation account, that is, the one that, according to biblical scholars, is chronologically earlier. The expression, theology of the body, used just now deserves a more exact explanation, but we leave it for another meeting. We must first try to enter more deeply into the passage of Genesis to which Christ appealed. And that's how Pope John Paul II ended his second catechesis on the theology of the body, male and female. He created them. There are many high points given to us by the Holy Father in this second catechesis. He speaks to us about biblical criticism. This is a very intense study of sacred scripture. Those who spend their lives studying the inspired text claim to be able to recognize different hands at work. Not only the primary author, who is Almighty God, but they're said to be the Yahwists, and the Eloist, those two are mentioned specifically by the Holy Father in this catechesis. Yahwist, so-called, because whenever God is referred to in those passages, God is called Yahweh. The Eloist, because in those passages, God is referred to as Elohim. These are findings of biblical scholarship. There are said to be other secondary authors involved in the Pentateuch. The Holy Father was neither endorsing nor prohibiting, just acknowledging that this is what the scripture scholars say. He identifies different accounts of creation, focusing his attention in this passage on the first account of the creation of man, which he says, thanks to biblical scholarship, is chronologically later. It's not the oldest, even though it's presented first in the canon of sacred scripture. The Holy Father reminds us that the sacred scripture is theological in character, specifically the creation which we have heard. The theological character of these passages of sacred scripture is evident in that it reminds us of the original innocence in which we were made. And he will treat that in greater depth in future catechesis. Not only the theological character of the original innocence, but also the theological character of the original happiness. In the beginning, God made us innocent. In the beginning, God made us happy and made us for happiness. This is also related to the classical ethics of happiness, eudemia. And the theological character of these passages of sacred scripture regarding the original goodness of creation. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. These points of the theological character of the passages of sacred scripture the Holy Father is studying also include original sin, the fall. Likewise, that we are made in the image of God. That's part of the theological character of these passages of sacred scripture. Not only God in himself, even with anthropomorphic presentations breathing the life breath into our nostrils, 
but even that we are in the image of God. That's part of the theological character which our Holy Father highlights as he focuses on these beginning chapters of the sacred scripture. He reminds us that these inspired words present to us a vision of man, gives us a definition of man. And here the Holy Father does not cite Boethius, as he has in other of his writings, man is a rational animal. Here he focuses on man as image of God, imagio dei. The Holy Father reminds us that these passages of sacred scripture present to us essential truths about man. Not only truths about God, but truths about ourselves. How we were in the beginning, and how our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ refers back to the beginning in order to know where we have come from and where we're going. And even as in the last catechesis, where he referred to the primordial law of the Creator, in today's passage, he cites the law of Moses, which is at least twofold, the Big Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, but also it is a reference to the Torah, wherein we read these inspired words. The Holy Father reminds us that it is our task in our day, not just when he first gave these talks back in 1979, but even until Christ the Lord should return in glory to judge the living and the dead, that we are to be his interlocutors today, that it is through the sacred scripture and through Mother Church, guardian of the sacred text, that we are to have conversation with God. We are to listen to him speak to us, and, and we lift our hearts and minds to the Lord in prayer. We analyze the sacred text using the gray matter, our minds, using the natural intelligence God has given us. And several times, the Holy Father used a phrase, at the same time. This is a part of the principle of non-contradiction, which is a rational law. Something cannot both be and not be at the same time in the same sense of the same subject. It is a foundational truth. The Holy Father highlights the cosmological reality presented in these words of sacred scripture. We see the heavens and the earth and all that they contain. We see that God has made us well. Our origin in the good God, who is all good, who has made us good. We see ourselves as the subjects of creation and objectively so. The Holy Father strikes a very serious tone when addressing objective reality and the objective fact. The scripture exists, creation exists, our faith exists. We are subjects who believe the faith. God is the subject who created the heavens and the earth. These are objective things, cosmology writ large, the cosmos, the heaven and the earth, us included. The Holy Father raises the specter of Exodus chapter 3, just by allusion here, where God reveals his name to Moses, I am who am, sent me. That's what God tells Moses to tell Pharaoh. 
But even in this earlier passage of sacred scripture in the book of Genesis, the Holy Father insists five times in this one catechesis on the metaphysical content, how it is so important that we understand what we read, and how what we read helps us to understand not only the sacred scripture, but reality, life itself. The Holy Father specifically mentions in this metaphysical context being and existing. We are human beings. The radio or the computer upon which you're listening has existence. It is. It has being. But its being, like our being, contingent. Depending upon another, the computers do not exist without the manufacturers. The manufacturers cannot make what they make without the materials. Even when synthetic materials are used for whichever fabrication, it presupposes the existence of the cosmos, of which we read about in Genesis the heavens and the earth and all that is therein. God is the supreme being, the necessary being, who exists apart from all else, in whom we live and move and have our being. And we have been made new creation in Christ by grace and faith and baptism, which the Holy Father has not yet addressed in this catechesis, but will, no doubt, get there. The Holy Father, not only in this passage, cites the anthropological reality which is found in Genesis, Anthropology, the study of man, the science of man, anthropos. What does it mean to be a human being? But also ethics. What good should we do and what evil should we avoid? Is there anything that is good? There is. Is there anything that is evil? There is. What is valuable? What is worth doing? God believed that it was valuable to make the heavens and the earth and all that is therein, to create us in the divine image, male and female. We have been created because God thought it was worthwhile, a worthy task, a valuable task. The good God did well to make us. And he calls us to mirror him in whose image we are made for us to do good. This is how we are true to our nature as human beings. Pope John Paul II in this second catechesis of the theology of the body uses that exact phrase, theology of the body, twice. He promises to go over it in the future talks 
and he will. Theology is the science of God. Theos is the Greek word for God, and theology is the science. There's natural theology, and there's supernatural theology, or theology based upon revelation. In this case, the Holy Father is doing theology based on sacred scripture, but he's also doing a natural theology based on his natural abilities, his human intelligence, his understanding. What does the body tell me about God? What does the body tell me about myself, made in the image of God? It's actually in view of the Incarnation. That God became like us in all things but sin in Christ Jesus to save us from our sins by his death and resurrection in his body, by his ascension to the Father's right hand in glory in our human nature, where he awaits us, where he intercedes for us, from whence he shall come in glory to judge the living and the dead. And the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, went through these five years of talks in order to help us all be ready, in order to help us all to understand well our faith, the faith handed on once for all the saints, faith in the one only Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we are adopted sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, not only to one another, but even to Christ himself. Pope John Paul II, he cites several passages of sacred scripture in this second catechesis of the theology of the body. Matthew 19, Mark 10, and three passages from Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 4. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 to 25, and all of chapter 3. Let us never forget to read the sacred scripture, not only with faith and devotion, but with whatever keen insight our natural intelligence can bring to bear, since the God who has made us to believe in him has also made us to know him, to love him, to serve him in this world so as to be happy with him, not only in the here and now, but even in the hereafter, having been restored to his grace by the death and resurrection of Jesus, who is the new Moses, who gives us the grace we need to keep the law once given on Sinai's height, the law which is inscribed not only on those stone tablets, but even on our fleshy hearts. Let us remember our role as the current interlocutors of the Lord, he speaks to us in sacred scripture. He speaks to us in the sure and certain teaching of Mother Church. He speaks to us in that still, small voice. 
we're called to answer. We're called to listen and to respond in faith and love, knowingly, like the Yahwist, like the Eloist, like Holy Moses and David before us, true to our nature, true to our Creator, true to the very being which we have. Thanks be to God. Until next time, God bless you.